Hey guys, welcome to episode 41 of the JV Club with Leslie Bibb. What a great lady Leslie Bibb is, guys. I am delighted that she agreed to do the podcast. We had a joyful time. I want to thank all of you guys for sending in dinner party stories. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to announce that AJ and Lou C, you are the winners of the contest. Guys, I wish that I could afford to send every single one of you who sent me a dinner party story, a book. I really do. I got to start making more money. Um, If you guys could, AJ and Lou, uh, Facebook me on the JV Club Facebook page and let me know your mailing address. I will get those out to you. And uh, marvelous stories. It was really hard to pick, guys. Thank you so much. And Tess and I went through them all and um, and we, we love them all. And we want to thank each and every one of you for sending them in. Um, I also want to do some shout outs, shouty, shouty, shout outs to Jenny S. First and foremost, guys, I don't want to intimidate you, but she sent me the cutest handmade felt Christmas ornaments uh, that say the JV Club. I'll, I put a tw- definitely tweeted one. I'll put them pictures up on Facebook. Actually, Jenny put them up on Facebook so you can check those out. Um fantastic so fantastic and if you like them and for some reason you want one i'm sure that you would make one and sell it to you um so thanks for that uh i want to thank uh jared page josh patricia vincent m gabriella f karen y rebecca l uh i think those are all facebook some of you might have emailed me too but um and then twitter god damn it kitty love it Eddie F., Robert C., who complimented Vanessa's and my Australian accents. Uh, we will take that compliment. We had a pleasure of a time doing it. I don't know that I agree that they were good, but uh, Natalie N., Hannah, Beth M., Juicy Melon Jim, uh, Lou Aaron, 4.1 on Twitter. Harvey, who on Twitter suggested we start a JV Club pen pal program, which I am 100% on board for. Anybody wants to take the reins on that, I would uh, jump onto the Facebook page and uh, put a post on there about it because I love that idea. Uh, um, Bill T on Twitter, who was complimenting the marvelous Honey Honey, who, uh, whom he got into listening to Suzanne Santos' episode. Stacy B. Grow, who came up with one of the best ideas ever for a new category for the MASH game. Uh, I invite any of you to come up with categories for MASH. I couldn't enjoy doing that game more, and I know you guys like it too, or at least some of you do. And uh, Stacy came up with a great one. So if you don't hear me do it on the next one, Stacy, will you please bother me about it and tell me what a horrible person I am for not doing it? Dana on uh, Facebook who enjoys miniature things as much as Vanessa and I do Uh, Ben and Rob on Facebook and Twitter guys thank you so much I hope you enjoy this episode I hope you also enjoy Neil's puppet dreams if you are keeping up with that we have uh, released now three episodes Um, right three Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm losing track. But uh, that is on the Nerdist YouTube channel. Um, so much fun to do. There are still more to come. And uh, I guess that's it, guys. I just want to thank those of you who, uh, again, are continue to reach out about my bike accident. Um, I'm doing much better getting some uh, dental work done. And uh, that's that. So uh, all is well. Um, I don't know why I'm drawing out this intro. I got to end it. I'm ending it right now. Now entering Nerdist.com.
wait, this mic, I feel like I'm doing a telethon. Well, that's, that's when I have comedians on the podcast, they're so used to having like the microphone to be like, I know, but seriously guys, like women, they get their periods. Am I right? Like there definitely is that aspect to if you're, or if you're a singer, but if you're not used to just like holding a microphone in your Christina, hand, Christina I guess Aguilera would really build yeah, this out. You She'd could be do like the whole this. podcast. Yeah. She'd exactly. be like holding her ear, listening to whatever. Why yeah, do they hold their ear? Holding it. Well, because. Is it reverberation I or think, something? yeah, because I think sometimes the, the music that's accompanying you is so loud that the only way for you to hear your own voice is if you plug your ear a little bit because I was I, I mean listen the truth is that I wasn't a band when I was in my 20s of and sometimes the backup the, like, burp. all Hold the on. music please that's the other thing is I like to give people like sparkly drinks so that there will be a lot of belching and hiccuping I love that it's podcast. a diet Dr. Brown's the original cream soda with a Statue of Liberty on it, no less. There is a there is a hand drawn Statue of Liberty. By the way, I just saw one. I was just in Paris last week, and um, I was in the Musée d'Orsay or however. Oui, le Musée d'Orsay. I cannot say anything because I do not speak French. And um, there was a little baby Statue of Liberty yeah. in the middle of the first floor. It was beautiful. It is. It, I mean, it, there is that She's sort a nice of like, lady. Oh, yeah, the French. Like, there is the irony, too, and I'm sure this came up all the time when everyone was, like, extra anti-France and everybody was freedom-frizing it up and all that kind of shit, like, a few <laughs> years ago. Remember freedom. all that business? By the way, I didn't have one French fry when I was there, and I was a little disappointed. So you didn't have any frites? I didn't have any frites, and I was like, Wait, where how did that happen that you didn't have any? They're on know. the I menu was, for every meal. I was very, um, Sam and I were very Anthony Bourdain this trip. Oh, okay, so you were fancified. My, no, well, my friend Denise, goes she and her husband go every christmas i, I secretly think i was a french girl in a past life i have a very I so romantic too. i'm so francophile i want to be french i think they're lovely people i agree they're always nice to me because yeah. i try to speak french that is orderly. what like, no one gets people the americans who have a bad experience in france i really believe it's because they are too bashful to try. It's not about like Americans being jerks. They just are like, oh, I couldn't possibly. So they just speak English. But the French love it and they think it's adorable. And even if they're condescending about the fact that your French is terrible, they still are so appreciate. sweet about it and they do appreciate it. I think they appreciate it. And like this, and to hear my boyfriend Sam speak French is so tremendous. <laughs> it's so, he's so out of his mind. But they're just so sweet. And like one woman wrote down how to do takeaway, please. And, Oh, she wrote see? it, and it's still the I can't. Uh, um, I can't. Just can't even say it. I know how to spell uh, um, it. I think. Yep, that's yeah. it. Civil I took play. French, and then my mom's a professor of French, and she used to teach in France You're and also a big in Quebec. French fry. And then I'm a big. I'm a little bit of a French fry. I love. All, I love the French too. And I, the place where I lived when I was a teenager was this tiny town where no one spoke any English in the middle part of the country. And um, wait. Like the town was so small that we had what to ride our called? bikes to another town just to be able to go Listen, to a swimming pool. The bikes pool. are getting you in trouble. The, <laughs> the bikes are a problem. Yeah, <laughs> these guys know. These Janet guys know about back. my accident because I had to talk about it in my intro to last week's episode. Um, but I, it's still the worst. I can't. Those fucking buses. I hate those buses. It's Make, pretty evil. They're they're jail holes. They drive around like I'm a big bus. And I'm going to drive you off yeah. the road. They, Cars and but It doesn't matter. Doesn't like, they matter. hate everybody. They did it. Sam and I, were. we went to, to Ireland a couple of months ago. We sound very... Globetrotty? Yeah, globetrotty. Transcontinental. I love, it. No, I love we, it because you were telling me about gluten-free in Ireland, too. Oh, so good. But they those buses in Ireland on those small little roads, it's like they play chicken. I was like, we're in Footloose and I'm yeah. going to lose. <laughs> 
And it's so like, and Sam doesn't drive. It was really, those buses can go suck it. But in France, in Paris, um, we, so my friend Denise was like, here are these great restaurants. So I guess like in France, the big Michelin star thing started there and ba 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 ba. Sure. And I didn't watch my, I'm obsessed with Anthony Bourdain. I didn't watch my no reservations before I went. I forgot. But when I got back, I watched it and we actually did the whole French food thing that's really hip there now, which is they're sort of turning against Michelin and all of these great chefs are opening these small brasseries and just doing like farm to table and not like really country almost versions of the way it looks. It's not fancy. It's not beautiful. But the food is incredible. And we had some meals that were... So bananas. We went to this place called Chez La Mijon. Let's talk about what you ate. And let's talk about what we didn't eat. Um, here's what I love. We somehow got in. I don't know how. We like they somebody didn't. We called and they were like, "You can come right to now." And we came over, and uh, it was. Well, these people can't see the size of this room. Half of the size of this room. Okay, so it was like a tiny little room. A like tiny little yeah. room with a small like closet of a kitchen with the chef in there who was like, bah, 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 screaming at <laughs> and everyone in the restaurant would scream back at him and he was from Normandy and very manly looking northern France food <sighs> because we can have did you go well see this is the thing we're gonna have we're, like eight yeah. different conversations it's okay once. that's how I roll but there's a place called Brage in the Marais which is buckwheat crepes and it's all Britannia food it's all like northern France can in we eat Brittany buckwheat crepes and we can eat buckwheat <gasps> crepes and why didn't you tell me this? We were I, emailing. That's I know. Rude. I think I did. I know. I am super rude. I, I wasn't told thinking you about, about it. fresh pizza. You did, but then I thought you said it wasn't that good in the end. No, it was good. Oh, you, oh maybe. Oh, maybe you were complaining back with me about non-good pizza, and you were saying this pizza was good. Yeah, it was good. I, I mean, I, I think gluten-free crust is not always great and gives you a belly bomb, and you're going to fart your way through the next day. Yeah, but. Um, this was pretty, this place is good. But this guy, so here's where we, the, mu- the thing. The Normandy music. chef. Okay, so we walk in. Um, it's a tiny bar. They give us some, uh, r- like, sparkling uh, rosé. Um, and this is what I love. There's a group of Frenchies there. The guy pops the cork. It hits the woman in the head, kind of cracks her glass. <gasps> And I was like, oh, well, this is a lawsuit we if this is in the States. <laughs> and then they left and sat down. And Sam and I looked at this very cute uh, bartender with a cute mustache. And, um, and I was like, you really cracked her in the face. Do you speak English? I don't know why when I talk on the side of my mouth. Like, we're going to talk on the DL. And he was like, I know it's really, I really it in the face. And, um, and we just laughed. And it was like totally fine. She didn't oh, care. See. They had charcuterie just on, out on these butcher blocks on the, um, on the bar. And I was like, this would never go over in the States because people would complain. How long has this been sitting out here? Someone else has touched this. I this isn't just for me. You yeah. Know? And so uh, we just sat there and ate delicious, delicious charcuterie, which I'm in the States allergic to. They're yeah. not allergic to it. We sat down. Uh, they, and then here's the other thing. They brought over this, this um, like, ban- what you'd cook like banana bread in, like that sort of yeah, terrain. Yeah, a little tin thing. thing the- and it had blood... Blood, not blood sausage, whatever this like pudding where they use that that makes it really red. It's gross, but like a loaf that you mix with that and um, 
cornichons and fresh bread. You make like Ooh. a thing. I did not eat it. Sam said it was okay. But again, just taking it to every table, everyone cutting it, communal. Yeah. I was like, well, this wouldn't go over in the States either. I know. Um, and so then he, we let him just order for us, the the guy, the manager. And so he brought over this seafood soup. It was like a bisque that was just in this like pitcher that you just poured into your bowl it was so life-changing and delicious and then they made um if you don't eat meat don't listen to this they had hair not rabbit but hair which is supposed to be gamier but they made like a stew and then there was a porcini mushroom like mousse and then scallops like sliced but they were raw on top of it and then they brought something else over and then we split this amazing steak and these mashed potatoes that would make you orgasm they yeah were so delicious and the real delicious thing was at the end they bring you a rice pudding Ooh, i love rice pudding no but it's it's the best thing i've I ever love had that you look like you're gonna cry right now it was <laughs> so emotional it was really emotional they made a home i'm gonna cry <laughs> there was uh, this caramel sauce that was whipped uh-huh. and then they made homemade nougat and Sam was like, you have to stop. And I was like, I can't because I'm never going to have this again. But the cream and the cheese. And he gives you meringues to go. Of course he does. Um, I did. Uh, emporté. Emporté, whatever. <laughs> but we did do takeaway because we got this steak and it was so big. And I was like, we can't leave this. So we got it to go. And everyone was like, I knew what they were saying, doing? what are those fucking Americans doing? And then Sam, I was like, they're saying that, you know, we're doing takeaway. Like a doggy, doggy doggy what is it called doggy doggy bag doggy bag yeah and um doggy basket doggy basket and they were judging it but we took it and i was like let's give it to because there's a lot of homeless people on the street so sam and i were walking up and sam was just telling me he's like he's like i have a good street sense because i somebody was walking behind us and i was like what's 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 coming up the back right and he was like we're fine we're fine i have a good street sense and i was like yeah yeah he's like yeah i'm a city kid and uh we come up by this, by this, um, the Place de Concorde or something, uh-huh. and there's this Ferris wheel, and I see this gentleman, young gentleman, sitting there, and he's got cardboard boxes over top of him and blankets, and I was like, let's give the food to him. I burped again. Thank yep, you. cream soda, Doc Browns, and Statue so- of Liberty, Statue of Liberty, <laughs> Statue of Liberty, Burpville. He's by the way, Statue of be- Liberty is responsible for this whole conversation <laughs> we're having. So Doc Browns sponsored this whole conversation and about Doc Paris. Doc Brown should actually be called Doc Burp. Doc Burp <laughs> is what it really should be called. Yes. So we come up and and he's got like this thousand yard stare, and Sam is like gives me the food to take up to him, and I was like, pardon, Monsieur, pardon, Monsieur. And I'm looking at him and I was like, something's not right. And then I look down and I just see like the fucking cardboards going up and down, up and down. He's not jerking off. He's masturbating. And I turn around and I was like, like, Sam, he was masturbating. And he goes, oh, I was so taken with what was he staring at? And I was like, so much for your street sense. (laughs) And then I was like, you're giving it to the next person. So then we find this woman and she's in a wheelchair and she has no no legs and she's sitting there and I'm like, you do it. And Sam goes up to her and he's, she's like, Madame, Madame, Madame. And she's got like a, a, a mirror and she's putting on makeup, but she's like this crazy bandage on her nose. And Sam just was walking up to her and she just turned on him and went, no, 
No! Oh, no. No. <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished Just is what we're finding out right now. Screaming in him. I laughed. I almost peed my pants. This feels like a movie. It feels like the movie about the... Pe- the and listen, all due respect to you and Sam, because I love that you did this, and I would find myself doing the same thing. But this is like the Woody Allen scene in the movie where like the two people with like rich white guilt... Not to say you guys are rich, you are both white. Uh, <laughs> and and not to say you have guilt, guilt. but it, just in case. But in the movie version, it is the sort of punishment of like everyone looks askance at you when you take the to go. Yeah. Leading up to everything you try to do to be to helpful get. in some way and with someone jerking off in front of you and someone screaming at you. Yeah, but here's where we went back to. We had seen this guy on this, sh- and we were in like this shishi area in this very chic hotel that we never felt cool enough to be in. Like it was, everyone was gorgeous and pulled together. And we were like, we always looked homeless, <laughs> not put together. And like, like the guys opening, the, it was like the It's chateau. easy to feel like that in Paris anyway, too. I know, just but this yeah. place was like all red. And at night, if you were in your room, I couldn't find anything because it was so dimly lit and it was sexy. Yeah. Very sexy. But we were not sexy yeah, enough to be really there. That's not really my bag. And the, and the thing is, is it's not that fun to play at that if you don't feel comfortable it's like well you can sort of appreciate it for five minutes but then you kind of wish you were in some sort of bohemian world that you could feel really relaxed in uh, and you're not relaxed yeah it was there everyone was everyone's done everyone's had their hair and makeup done all the waitresses are gorgeous like young girls and i just felt like with probably great boobs and <laughs> high asses and no cellulite <laughs> and just chic and they're just like oh this old thing i just threw this on yeah. but so on the street We'd seen this guy. I was like, Sam, we love dogs. And so I was like, there's a lot of people have dogs, like homeless people with dogs. These two, the yeller and the masturbator did not have a dog. (laughs) So I said to him, I was like, so we'd seen this, this young guy in front of this church and he had this really great dog, like a German shepherdy dog. And I have a, you love Sadie or German shepherd. I love a German shepherd. But I said, Sam, does that German shepherd, does that homeless German shepherd, have a leather jacket and he goes oh my god that dog has a leather jacket how is he homeless with a leather jacket he had like a leather capelet on on the dog on the dog super amazing and um so we started calling the dog Fonzie (laughs) and so I said we were walking and after the after the scarring situation with the masturbator and the screamer I said let's give it to Fonzie let's find Fonzie and I was like do you think Fonzie's in front of the church it's nighttime sure enough we go up and the guy has a tent. So, I mean, he's homeless in quotations because he's yeah. a very nice tent. And, uh, and I was like, I was like, Sam, go give it to him. Go. And he's in the tent. Fonzie's in the tent. Everybody's in the tent. And so Sam just goes up the church stairs and just lays it. And I was like, you got to say something. It's going to get wet. It's raining. And he was like, I'm not saying anything to anybody. We're out of here. And then all of a sudden, this young guy just pops his head out with like Fonzie in the leather jacket beside him. <laughs> and he's like, man. He's like, merci. And I was like, oh. in. That went well. Yeah. So I that think you have to give it to, well. um, to people with dogs. I guess, I, you know what? I think there is maybe something to be said for if you have a dog, maybe there's something about you that's more appreciative and approachable than masturbating or screamer. But having said that, in San Francisco. Well, that's a whole different Yeah, thing. right? I mean, then the people with the dogs, like the guys with the, with the dogs and the hate, hate. also <gasps> are just like. They make me mad. It's the thing where, well, yeah, because it's the thing where it's like, those are the guys who are like, 
they have the signs that are like, why lie? It's for LSD or whatever. And you're like, Ugh, oh. you think you're so like, I'm supposed to reward your honesty and your cleverness and like why your, your piercings lies? and your dreadlocks. And like, there's your dog with like the skull bandana. Yeah. And, and it's always like a pit bull. Yeah. And it's like, always, yeah. You or know. something. I just, I, I'm going to sound like a real not nice lady, but I have a problem with really young kids in the hate. Who are like, hey, I don't have any money. And I'm like, but you could. I know. I struggle with that too. Because like, I, when I first went to the hate, I think I kind of wanted to be that kid. But really? I, well, because I was going through like a, these guys know, the listeners know that, uh, that I was like really into sort of like a clockwork orange and all this kind of crazy stuff when I was in, in high school and I was doing a lot of drugs Did and stuff. Did you have a bowler hat? I definitely did. I had one at Burning Man. I, I love definitely a good bowler did. Hat. I listen. I go well, for it. Leslie, I'm going to take it a step further and tell you that. Uh, and I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but when I went to San Francisco for the first time in my life, I was 13. It was the perfect age to go. I fell in love with. That is why I ended up moving there as soon as I could when I was 19. Um, when I knew I was going to Hey Ashbury, I had never been there. I only knew about it anecdotally and like you know in terms of its legend and stuff. And I was like, I think I'm about to go to the place where anything goes and I can just be like my authentic self. And at that moment, I decided that my authentic self was going to put on a giant eyelash on the bottom and top, a la Alex in a clockwork orange and go on my merry way down and do my shopping in the hate with this giant eyelash, like in homage, in homage to uh, a clockwork orange. I love that you had the balls to do that. See, that's what I yeah, wish I was. I kind of wish. I, I think those balls are coming back for me a little bit. I, that's. But they've been gone for a long time. Isn't that, that's a really exciting thing to say. Yeah, yeah. To say that, like, to have that awareness, like, because that's the big key. I always feel like uh, that's what we need to do is we need to find that sort of freedom that we had when we were young. But usually something, I feel like when you hit 13, sometimes there's kids that like really do what you did and you're like, I'm going to wear this and go. Or there's like the kids that just want to conform and get homogenized, which is kind of, I guess, sort of what I felt like I did. But I sort of like, like I look at my friend's five-year-old last night and she just does whatever she wants to do and she wears whatever she wants to wear. And I was like, there's something about that curiosity and that openness that I wish we could have now because I feel like the older you get, the more f- the fear creeps in and the practicality, f- you know, comes in. And I think it's pretty awesome that you're 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 finding that now because a little that's bit, a, a nice- little bit, especially in this town, because I think I spent and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I fe- I spent so much time at the beginning part coming here. Where even in San Francisco, I was more like that and felt a little bit more free to do, you know, whatever I wanted, even if that was just like whatever the San Francisco version of conformity is. How did the eyelash go over? I don't remember anyone even batting an eyelash at it, to use an (laughs) apropos expression. Uh, But I think here... I spent a lot of time feeling like, oh, I'm, I don't know. I, you know what? I, I, this is not your fault. I, I just, I did talk about this. It's definitely your fault. Uh, I just spent a lot of time (laughs) buying clothes that I used for auditions that 
unequivocally were not something I would ever wear, but then that's all the clothes I owned. So I just started to feel like I had an identity identity crisis when I moved here. So I went from like just wearing like weird old, you know, vintage clothes that to then, Oh, I was auditioning for like, you know, the pilot where you're like the cute wife with like the baby and you're, everybody looks like they're on friends. Like that's sort of what you have in your mind when you audition. And that's kind of how they're described. And so I felt like I couldn't go in there with like, you know, an old 60s A-line, like, airline stewardess dress because who's that person? But by the way, wouldn't that be... It'd be funny, like, I wonder if you did do that if, like, they would I be like, I this would've. is so original. I know, I probably... I, yeah, they probably would. They probably would, but I just didn't... I and wanted the job was, too bad, you yeah. know? And I just... So right. that was a weird time. Yeah. And now I'm kind of at the place where I'm like, eh, whatever. This is me. I'm either going to trot something out like that and know that that's I'm not like you're me, gonna try. or I'm going to wear whatever I want and they can deal with it. But I think, yeah, I, like some impatience kicked in. But uh, going but back to... liberating though, that, that yes, thing for sure. to be like exactly who you are. It's for that sure. Marianne Williamson quote that I love. Like you playing small doesn't serve the world. Yeah. You know, that I keep it in my wallet all the time. It's so awesome. I mean, not, Nelson Mandela, you said in his, I was like 1994 inaugural speech or something. And... I was like, that's pretty badass that he used Marianne Williamson's like... Hell yeah. But it's true, like that being authentically who you are, it's so... I think that's like yeah, next like who level wins, shit. Yeah, you know? who, like, who wins wow. if you're not and do you care if they win Right. if you're not winning? Like, absolutely. It's hard though, man. It's it like, is hard. It's like just... I have to say, my Sam, he's... I find him very inspiring in that sense because, like, he rolled, like, he beats to his own drummer. I look at him like he's an insane person. And but look at his. I mean, this is. Do you mind if I? I no, you guys probably know this, but this is Sam Rockwell, and um, we when you that talk about that serving him, it shows up in all his performances. Right. There, you can't imagine. I can't imagine anyone else playing the roles that he's played because he embodies them, and he's strange, and he's wonderful, and he brings something to it that. You can't really put your finger on. I almost said that certain je ne sais quoi, but now I've peppered all of my sentences with French and it's getting yeah. a little obnoxious. No, it's not. No, um, it's not. But, but it is, but there is, that, there is that something and it feels also very authentic and I think there are even actors who don't necessarily have that in an authentic way. They like to, I'm not going to name names, but I feel like there are character actors who it doesn't feel like it's coming from a real place to me. I feel like they always show up in movies no. playing these kooky, insane characters. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't feel, I'm not now, connecting to it. Do you find that it. it's like, I feel like, I find it really, no, I, this is becoming, I don't want to make this about men and women. I feel like it's easier for dudes to be authentically themselves. I don't know if it's like, as women, we've been, told or there's just this thing that gets ingrained in us that we used to be everything for so many you're like and I think Absolutely. it does like you, I watch it with girlfriends who are like I'm a mom and I'm a this and I'm a that and I'm a writer and I'm this and that and everything's sort of like getting distilled into mediocrity and it's like I don't know I just wonder I think like what woman really inspires me for like she is exactly who she is and I'm, I think like maybe like Parker Posey yeah Parker I feel Posey's like Parker, a good example like like somebody who just sort of is her thing and it shows Or like up. Jane Lynch. I mean, look, people yeah. love Jane Lynch. It's And the thing is, is that I think people, people, there's something about her cracking through. I mean, everybody who has followed her career knows that she's a brilliant and has always been so funny. And in Christopher Guest film, she's always brought it. And, you know, obviously the right place, right time, Glee comes along and she really just explodes. But I do feel like there's this sense of, there's almost a sense of like, 
so cool. where's this person been or something like that and it's like you know what all due respect to Jane Lynch, who is spectacular and very unique, but there are a lot of really spectacular and unique yeah. women out there, certainly in that of that age, that you will never see because there's no room for any of them until there's room for one, and then there's room for just that one, and then maybe there's it's like Missy McCarthy. There oh, wasn't yes. room for her to be who she was until now there is, and everyone's like, oh my god, look, there's this like you know chubby, you know amazingly brilliantly comedic funny actress. Where's she been? Well, she's been working all this time. She's been brilliant all this time. You just made room for her, or she made room for herself, or whatever. But there are right. these these one off icons like Parker Posey. But there are women like that everywhere who aren't getting a chance to have their voices heard or who aren't letting themselves have their voices heard. Because I think you're right. I think there's this tamping down of that uniqueness that happens in a different way than it does for men. And I, I agree with you. It's not meant to be about and men I, or women. Yeah, but, but and I don't want to say like I'm bashing Culturally, men it is or, what it is. You but know? It is. It's, it's really, I don't know. I think it's, but I think really what the, the thing that, Outside of that, you can sit there and blame society. You can blame this. You can... But I think the key is that it's about finding your inner eyelash. Your inner... You know <laughs> Which, what I mean? by the way, my inner eyelash today would not be an, an eyelash because that is an extremely disturbing, extremely violent movie you, where people think, get raped. I know. That's such a weird... I can't but watch you, it. I, you, well, I went so through this phase scared. where I was so attracted to those... Like, the psychos. For sure. Like, that scene... I, I'm not... Listen, I guys, I am never... not proud of this, but like in Cape, <sighs> like these are the things that were out right then. Uh, a Clockwork Orange, obviously, is a perennial classic, whatever you, I mean, violence included, but um, Cape mean... Fear came out with Robert De Niro and Juliette Lewis. That whole scene where he like sticks his thumb in her mouth, I thought was super hot. I knew inherently that it was really disturbing, You're a dark but horse. during that time, for whatever reason, when your hormones are all that kind of stuff, I was into that. And then Sounds of the Lambs came out, and I for sure wanted to like make out with Hannibal Lecter and then let him eat me. I mean, listen, I don't feel that way anymore. I can't you even watch so... that movie anymore. I can't I... even watch that movie anymore. That's amazing, but, but that's it was just in like there. a bad boy because I was goth and like I love the Cure and like everything was just it was it was that sort of darkness that I hadn't so really funny, tapped look... into. I know it's like now you're like this light. Like you are, I look at you in those big blue eyes. <laughs> it's like I can't even uh, imagine. Oh, I bet you those goth boys loved you. I have to burp again. Please do. I can't. Ooh, I guess. I mean, I yeah, I had some good. I went. I was all. I ran the gamut with boys in terms of what I my taste levels were. I can't believe you actually watched a Clockwork Orange when um my over and over again. Please, <gasps> like over and over. I could watch it every day. I had the soundtrack. I um, have I really now what? I had to because I did this movie with Rob Corddry and Keegan-Michael Key called um, Hell Baby. So yeah, it, Hell Baby. So it's like based on a... Um, That's going to Sundance, right? So yeah. Tom Lennon directed it, right? Yeah, and Ben. And Ben. Tom and yeah. Ben directed it together. Okay. And um, But it's essentially about possession by the devil. Love and it. it's a comedy. And so I had to watch scary movies, but I don't watch scary movies because... Uh, I don't know. My family really went off the rails because when I was three, my dad died. And then, I don't know, but when I was five or six, one of my sisters convinced my mother that we should all go see Amityville Horror. Oh, no. You were so little. And so my mom's like, yeah, like, I don't know which part of that my mother was like, that's a perfect film to take a small child to. But I remember we sat and it was oh. packed. 
packed. And we sat in the front row on the left side. And I, from that movie... That's a scary. That's a legitimately like, the original is a legitimately scary movie. Thirty years later, I just watched my first scary, like really scary movie. I I can't do it. I am petrified. It's a terrifying movie. What movie? Ter- yes, it is. And what movie did you see? By the way, I think just recently uh, when I had you to yourself see because of Hell Baby. Uh, I watched The Exorcist. Okay, but I technically didn't watch the whole thing. I would watch it in bits, and I would only watch it. Oh. I watch. I watched The Omen for something, so I was trying to get ideas. And I, uh, the nineteen seventies Omen. That's an interesting movie. It's it pretty is. creepy. It's not as scary as it's like scary. N- it's like a slow burner, which is a little better. Maybe. But for I had you. to watch it in the middle of the day, yeah. and um, I can't watch a scary movie at night. But The Exorcist, I would have, and I would watch it only if there was somebody else in the room. And it's like got to be during the day. At night, my imagination's too. I get, listen, those things that you, those things that happen, first of all, not to gloss over you losing your dad because, oh my God. I mean, listen, (laughs) that's terrible. (laughs) Terrible for me to be like, you lost your dad, got it, got it, got it. Amityville Horror, that's that's got to do a number on a little kid. Oh my God, that's the best (laughs) thing. That's amazing. That's amazing. Not to gloss over. If you can't see her face when she did it, it's, it's so amazing. Terrible. It's so amazing Terrible. the way you just did that. No, I think it's so Terrible. funny. It's like you just, it's weird. It's like, I feel like I, whenever I talk about it, I don't, I try to like skirt past it. That's the thing. You, it. let's, let's, let's call it like it is. You glossed over it to get to I Amityville Horror. It, but I gloss over it because I also do it because I don't want people, like, A, I think if we go to a very like emotional place, I don't want to talk about it. Sure. Or like, I don't want to, like, because if you talk about it, I'm going to have a real emotion and nobody right. really wants to in in a, so, in a regular social conversation. There's right. like, it's a conversation stopper. What do and, you do? Like, oh. Uh, and then I'm like, don't want to make somebody feel right. bad. Right. And well, because you've also lived with, with it, it since you were three. So it's a different situation than the person who's hearing it for the first time. For the first time. time. Like, and then um, I also don't want to seem like a victim about it. Of course. And like, I couldn't understand like, that better. So in, in the minute you're like, my dad, dad knows three, everyone's like sucker punch. And you're yeah. like, it's fine. I mean, it's not fine. It's totally fucked up. And I still sit in therapy and talk about it. Sure. But uh, I think that I inherently just go, anyway, da, 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 da. and yeah. you just say it really fast. It's amazing how you do that in life. You're like, and then so-and-so did this, and you're like, did you just say that uh, so-and-so was raped? Wait, right. And you're like, yeah, anyway, but it's fine. It was fine. It was just like, Let's no. just let that be a fact with no emotion attached to it. Let, <laughs> yeah. let it be a fact that explains something, but we don't have to get in into it. I was totally fine. Yeah, you exactly. Know, like, exactly. But it's even the way you told me that you got hit by the, like, you For sure. Did, you're like, like, all right, listen, you got this going on, I got this going on, I got da-da-da, and then this, and it was traumatic, and blah, blah, blah. But it's so amazing that that's how... Yeah, I still can't believe that you got run off the road by a stupid bus and you hit a, ran into horrible. a building. It was horrible. And who I took you to the hospital. My friend Abe, who I work with, because I knew I was close by to work, and I thought it's like right around the time I was on my way to work. So I was like, this is around the time that, um, you know, my my you bike friends from here? will be yeah, to over to Beverly Hills. And um, stop, you bike from here? Yeah, down those windy roads. Yeah. I'm in peril in my car feeling like that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like when you're on your bike, you're sort of, you take up a lot less space too. So the windy roads are actually the least stressful thing. It's the traffic traffic, like on the, you know, major How thoroughfares. How far is that? Eight miles each way. So you don't go to the gym? No. 
I don't have time. That's the only exercise I get really. So that's why I did it. Cause I was like, I know I'm going to be so tired when I start this job. Cause it's, you know, going to take up so much of my time that I'm, no, I'm not going to bike eight miles. It doesn't, you know what? It takes me the same amount of drive because traffic's so shitty in LA always that it takes like half hour. I bet you can get down these hills faster than, um, in a car. I can. Do you feel like you're in that movie that Kevin Bacon was in when he was Quicksilver? Yeah. A little bit. A little bit? Sometimes. There, have, they, that movie came out recently that I have. I went to see. The Joseph Gordon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which just felt like it was a sequel to Quicksilver or just it like was. a remake. How was I heard it was. My friend is a stunt woman. She and her husband oh, are nice. stunt folk. And they did some crazy ass stunts. I like that. that you said stunt folk, almost like circus folk. Because yeah, there is sort of like that. Talk about a specific lifestyle. That's a community of people, stunt folk. Stunt folk, it's a real community of people it's like i feel like bull riders have a community too agree like do you know what i mean and that's like stuff like her friend did you meet her doing a movie or do you like i'm no. wondering i'm wondering how you become friends with stunt folk unless it's like they're your stunt um, person on a she, movie i had dinner because a couple of my other girlfriends knew her and i remember i was so you meet somebody and she goes, I'm a stunt woman. It's, it's like an immediate like crowd pleaser, like at a party. Sure. She went home with me for Thanksgiving. All of my country, um, family were like, what? (laughs) Awesome. And then they, you know, but I remember she told, she, we were sitting at this dinner table and she was like, I'm just, she's a really funny stunt person too. She's just, she's great. She's had many jobs and she sort of fell into being a stunt woman and, She's this girl that's like, I'm going to go live in India. I'm going to go, yeah. I want to learn how to make silver. So Those I'm going to be a people. silversmith. So I'm going to move to Santa Fe and grow my hair long and my <sighs> armpits. I'm, I'm going to go like, be like, you know, a second AC. And I'm like, oh, look, I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to go do a Western. Like she's, she, I call her the hell yeah girl. Because if that you're like, do you awesome. want to go do this? She's like, yeah, let's go. Oh. So we were sitting at a table and she was talking about her job and she was like, I just, I'm, you know, sometimes it's just too much. And I was like, what happened? She's like, I just got offered this job and I'm just, I'm not doing it. At a certain point you have to have, you just have to have standards. And I was like, what did they want you to do? And she's like, it was like one of those reenactments for like some weird crime show or something. Um, like a real crime tra- show. And she was like, you know, I mean, I had to like d- do this. Um, I have to be set on fire. And I was like, you didn't want to be set on fire. And she's like, no, I'm fine with being set on fire. <laughs> and then she goes, and then I had to like do a four story drop fall out of a window. And I was like, you didn't want to do a four story drop. And she's like, no, I was totally fine doing that. But I had to be wearing a diaper. And I just say that I cannot, I'm not, Wearing a diaper, setting myself on fire, and dropping out a window. And I just love that it wasn't like the dropping or the the fire. It was just like there's no dignity. In there's wearing no dignity. That's what she said. There's no dignity in wearing a diaper. And because <laughs> some it. like she's like, and it's dark that the and the person actually did that. Like they would wear diapers and do these this kinky shit. And then she's like, I'm just not getting in. That's like some dark magic and I'm not getting in it and I was immediately like enthralled and thought she was the most oh hell yeah yeah who doesn't like that girl let me back up to this for a second because I've realized we're halfway through and I uh, I've been so enraptured by our conversation that I haven't put it into a context (laughs) which I'm going to just briefly we can touch on it we can move back to uh, other things that we were talking about but Santa Fe when we talk about uh, your country folk um we're not talking about Santa Fe. We're not. That's was, where Silversmith moved. That's where Silversmith. Armpit hair moved. Every time I um, hear Silversmith, I think of, and it doesn't make sense that I think of, um, what's her? Uh, Alicia Silverstone? Nope. I'm sorry, I it's Alicia. I think of, what's her name? What's her name? 
Fleetwood Mac. Oh, Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks. I, I can I can understand that song. Silversmith, like Silver Spring. Oh, maybe that's it. That's why. That's a great song. I, know, I, I was going to say she seems super New Mexico, too. So it kind of makes sense. Leather and Lace. I always wanted her and Lindsay Buckingham to get together. I know. My sisters all loved, like, whatever. I had two sisters who one was four years older than me and the other's like six. So it was perfect age of me being the baby of the family and like looking up to them. And like Beth played basketball and was like definitely the black sheep of the family and was like. Where is this happening, by the way? In Virginia. In, in the Virginia. country. In okay. Lovingston, Virginia. In the sticks. Nelson County. It's so tiny. It's sort of like a Bridge Gap. And Kim was like the cheerleader and awesome and whatever. And my eldest sister, Trish, was like also like just really pulled together. Okay, so Trish and Bev and Kim, all yeah, older than you. All older. And then me. And I looked up to like whatever they did, I wanted to be a part of. I, I didn't have an original thought in my brain as a child. It was like, whatever Kim and Bev do, but especially, Trish is so much older than I am. She's like 15 years older than I am, so I don't really... From the same uh, yeah. parents? Uh-huh. Um, doctor oh, told wow, my mom okay. she couldn't get pregnant, and then the rabbit kept dying, and so she just... Well, well, well. Wow, that Betty, she, well, that Betty well, Bib, well. she and my, my dad it. really had the sex, and um, <laughs> it's cute. I was conceived in Bismarck, North Dakota, and everyone's like, you're from Bismarck, and I'm like, no. I'm I'm not. I was just born. I was like born there. Um, but so Kim, I, I just looked up to them and I remember they loved Fleetwood Mac and she and all of her best friends who were called the boffs, the best of friends. Oh, and they man, all had like crazy it. names like Cool Breeze and stuff like that. And I just would sit. The only way they would let me in the room is if I sat in the closet and I would do it. I would sit in the closet. It's so demeaning. But I would sit in the closet because I just wanted... To be the end. And you could tell that we lived in the sticks and I was the baby because nobody was there to play with me. So I just was like, so I played, you know, I would have my imaginary friends and I would traipse around outside. I would ride my horse and stuff like that. But then I would idolize my sister. <gasps> and I was sitting in the closet. In a dark closet, like a weird. Did they just for, would they just forget that you were there? Which no, kind of would be amazing. And then if I would laugh too loud, uh, I'd be like, <laughs> funny and then they would be like leslie shut up and then i'd be like all right but then if they wouldn't let me in i would throw myself against the door and just to get in and they would be like fine you can come in but you have to sit in the closet i'm like okay but that's true that's bev and that's bev or kim well it was both because they're all like they all so they hung out together yeah, they That's did. That's cool that they were friends with they each other were. a lot because the girls that age sometimes really turn on each other for a brief time. Or yeah, for a and time. then Bev like went on her own like she went on your sort of a your sort of a kick, and then Kim just became like most popular in like the girl. Like I think I became a cheerleader because of that. But like my my it started early though. I remember like for some reason they played the clarinet. Like Bev played the clarinet, and then Kim played the clarinet, but nobody really wanted to play the clarinet but they played it <laughs> it's and so specific so I was I remember in fifth grade we in my tiny elementary school you, you could start band and my two best friends Allison and Jackie were playing flute and their parents bought them a flute and I was like I, I want to play the flute <clears throat> Okay, so your your non-original thinking moved over to Allison and Jackie yeah, away from Kim Yeah, I just want to do that. It, and it was also different than the clarinet. My mother's like, I'm not buying another instrument. Nobody seems to play it. You're playing the clarinet. Oh. 
And so I take stupid I love band. The hand me down clarinet. I have the hand me down clarinet. I have the hand me down clothes. It Is the clarinet all... hard to play? That's one of those instruments where I was never in an orchestra or a band. I took classical I love guitar. It. I love the fact that you said orchestra. <laughs> well, right. Because if you saw the, the Nelson County band, it was so far. I think we like practiced in like a. <laughs> it was like a trailer, like one of those trailers attached to the school because the school was so small. Yeah. Um, no, it was. It just this, it just seems like a very exotic instrument to someone like me who really has just like picked up a, like the drums and the guitar and maybe the piano a well, little bit, but like those badass. wood, those reed instruments seem so and violin and stuff. Those things seem like impossible to me. They just seem like oh, impossible. you have to have a special. It is impossible, and I'm not into it. And um, I, I also, I think my mother has a natural ability for the piano. Like a, she can just sit down and sort of play it, which is crazy. Um, so she bought me a piano, even though I never wanted to play the piano. But she's like, look what I got you for your birthday, a piano. And I was like, okay. And um, Look what I got me for your birthday. <laughs> and so I remember I would go into town. So it was like, maybe like, it felt like a mile, but I bet it was like half a mile. And you walk into town. And why do I sound like I'm really... <laughs> I know, it's so cute. No, that's my favorite thing when yeah. people start talking about where they're from and their accents come out. I love it. But I would go into town. I'd walk into town. And um, I would take piano from this woman and after school. And she was so... Not... Not mean, but like she smelled of mothballs and mm, she had this yeah. old house. I mean, it was a very bucolic, like very tiny town. Like yeah. there was there was nothing commercial. Like everything was like family owned. Like it, it was idyllic in a way, but nothing's really idyllic. I think I think when you pull back everything and you look in, it's life anywhere. Yeah. Like, you know, good point. and it's got darkness, it's got light, it's got all of it. But I would go in and she would take her teeth out and she would sort of like gum peas, but she'd always making pea soup or something. And she would <sighs> smack my hands if I didn't have them up enough. And then I just was like, I this remember is horrible. And I just remember being like, whatever her name was. And I'd be like, listen, I'll make a deal with you. My mom was going to pay you anyway. How about I take a nap? And then you, I'm not, I don't like the piano. I'm not real good at it. So I'm going to sleep. And then she'll still pay you. But it'll be our secret. And she's like, okay. <laughs> I would just go. And I remember she had like a lazy boy in the other room. Oh, my God. And I would sleep. Yeah. Oh, my God. I yeah, my mom. I don't know if my mom. I don't said. know if my mom. And I think I had to learn. I was like, listen, just teach me Oh, my darling, Clementine. So it seems like there's something. I feel like I got play. something to go. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's. <laughs> You know, my mom, listen, she, her husband, she had four girls. She was like working. She was figuring out. I'm sure she did not care whether or not I knew how to play. She was like, you've got that. Okay, I got to do this. You know, she was hustling. Oh, yeah. What but, was she doing for, what, what did your parents do for a living? Uh, my mom started, she was like always like in a county administration. My memory of my childhood is very like in and out. You could tell there was like, you know, I don't know. I don't have a great memory of it. Um. Not because my childhood wasn't great, but just my memory is... When did your mom remarry? Uh, she remarried uh, when I was 20. So we were all, you know, we were pretty much... Oh, so it's just the girls. Just the girls. From three it's, to 20. I just call it a chicken coop because that's what go. it's like. Pick a little, home. talk a little, music man. Oh, my God. When you go to our house, it's so loud. It's <laughs> just... It, nobody really listens. It's just loud and everybody gets louder and louder and louder and louder it's a lot of woman it's a yeah. lot of estrogen 
it's a hen house. But um, my mom uh, then, she was involved like in democratic politics and then county politics. And then she ran a campaign when I want to say like I was like in seventh or eighth grade, seventh grade maybe. And it was this famous ticket and it was uh, the first black man, the first white man and the first woman to ever run on a ticket together for governor, lieutenant governor and attorney general. Mm. And in Virginia, you don't run as a ticket. I mean, you you are a ticket, but there can be a Republican lieutenant governor and a republic um, and a Democratic governor and a republic. You know, they, oh, okay. Each one is individual. It's yeah. not like president, vice president, the same. You know? Right. So, um, but the whole ticket won, and my mom ran Mary Sue's campaign, and then from that, and then Jerry Belisles was the governor. He was an amazing politician. And uh, he told me, my mom interviewed and then got this job. She was the director of consumer affairs for the Commonwealth of Virginia. And then she's kind of like kicked ass at it. And then I moved to Richmond to be with her because she would, she would leave us like Monday through Thursday. She would be in, or Monday through Friday, she'd be there working in Richmond and then she would come home on the weekends. So I was really raised by my, like our housekeeper, Polly, who raised me. This is just, I love, it is funny when it's, it's, everything that you said, even up to and including talking about the idea of something being idyllic when really it's all still just life, even that sounds like I'm, I've, I've turned you into like a character in a book. Like I've got, I threw in a pinch of Scout from To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, it's who's a little- like, Scout would no doubt ask the piano teacher to let her sleep while she, yeah. you know, so she didn't have to learn we piano. We really forged a deal. Just teach me all my darling Clementine. Yeah, and move on. And there's a lot of, I've got a lot of, I've just created my whole imaginary little Leslie Bibb world. But I do, and the, one of the things that, a couple people are obsessed from Virginia with- who've been on the, oh, yeah. No, I was like an obsessed with Charlie's Angels. Listen, that is right. very good news. Wasn't that? Delighted to hear. I show ever. was not. Oh, no, that was not your Stila. What am I talking to? You were like, <laughs> yeah, if they Charles were all dressed Angels. in black and like crucified well, like goats. No, by that time, by the, I mean, by that time, I, I, I don't even know what, by that time, yeah, I was definitely watching like Twin Peaks and stuff, but Charlie's Angels what? was a little too sexy for, for me when I was, I think I was, whatever age I was, I think um, I wasn't really allowed to watch shows like that. So I remember watching, I mean, I'd like the sexiest show I watched was Night Court, which I've talked about on the podcast before. I thought I it was super sexy. I, you know, listen, I, I guess I watched some Three's Company. Which, by the way, when I was in, just in London last week, I realized Three's Company is based on an English show called Man of the, Man of the House. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, it is. Because oh. there's a roper who lives downstairs and it's Jack. But here's the twist. I think, remember how Jack they said was gay, but really he was straight and that's how they all live together? Yes. I think in the English version, they said he was straight, but really he was gay. Oh, interesting. And Janet's character was named Chrissy. And in ours, weird that Chrissy became it. like, yeah, it was very interesting. I think it is based on Man of the House. Um, to, I, I think that um, because I spent a lot of time when I was a kid by myself, um, just because my sisters were older than I was, and I was probably annoying to them. And what does, like when they are you know, 13 and I'm nine or eight and a half. You don't want your, of course you don't. They're like cool breezing it up. I just remember cool, cool breeze. I, I remember, wish we could remember the other names. We, uh, Kim, well, I can't contribute at all. Why Kim, am I acting like I could? Kim Bib, Kim Bib, Terry was cool breeze. Uh, Kim, what was it? And they all like had like Chuck Taylors and that was 
nobody had Chuck Taylors in our country town. Like that was pretty yeah. wild stuff. And like they were getting pierces. And I remember we were downstairs in the basement. So my mom was gone a lot. So I was really either by myself, but I was raised with this, our housekeeper, Polly. And she, it sounds like when I say like a nanny housekeeper, like she's much chicer than she is. She was so important to me in my life, but she, um, she it was missing some teeth. She loved wrestling, as she called it. And um, I would, because we didn't really have a, she didn't drive. So the sheriff of her town, uh, Bill Harris, would come pick us up. My mom would be like, Bill's going to pick you up. And the, the like the, you know, the wrestling, the, like, but remember, like in the eighties, it was not great. It yeah. was like Andre the Giant. Yeah, and yeah. They would come to high schools, and so they come through our town, and they would set up in the high school um, a ring, and you would have like f- those metal folding chairs, and we would go. I'd ride that. I kind of love a. Police Did you see Andre the Giant? Yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, that you so saw we Andre would, the Giant in person. Yeah, we saw. He's well, what, very he's tall. huge. He's very tall. And then um, I think it was Andre the Giant. I, I'm almost positive it was Andre the Giant. Um, but we saw all of those guys that wrestled on television would all come through the town. And I remember a guy picking up a metal chair and hitting somebody in the head with it. But Polly loved wrestling, and she chewed snuff. <laughs> of course she did. She chewed snuff, <laughs> and of course she um, did. She was great. She was great. And she, you know, she was, she really, I mean, that's really who I feel like sort of I was raised by. Yeah. And um, we always had these African-American women, like when I was a baby, before my dad, before my dad died and after Lizzie, and I loved her so much. She was such an important, I remember like, I, I could cry, like she was so important and then she got pregnant. And she had to go, and I was so heartbroken as a child that she had to, to leave. And then um, there was this woman. I remember my mom, <laughs> my dad died. She was like, I had to put this kid somewhere because it's so little. So she sent me to the Sunshine School, which was because a lot of hippies came into Nelson County, and I'm not really sure why. Maybe they're probably growing pot in the out in the sticks. <laughs> could be, could be. So um, there was a school called this school called the Sunshine School. And it was essentially probably like what a Montessori school would be, but you're just filthy. And it was like, you know, in the sticks. And my mom's like, I'm sending her to the Sunshine School. And all of my aunts and uncles were like, that's where them hippies go, Betty. You cannot send her. And I loved it. And so I would go to the Sunshine School. And across, there's like a little road. And there was this woman India, I just remembered this. She was really tall and she had beautiful long. She always braided her hair. African American woman, and she had these big Dobermans, and they looked so scary. And I would always leap. By the way, four years old, leave the school and walk across. The no street, one was watching, and she would always sit in the. She would talk to me, and she would let me pet her or her Dobermans, and she would give me strawberries. I don't know why that just hit me. And then and that woman was so kind i remember she was because there's so much crisis in that moment when my dad died i think that that woman was like such a safe space i mean i hate to say it, but she sounds like an angel she was like an angel yeah and um it's so weird i never really thought about india yeah 
I love that her name was India, India. on top of everything else. Spl- I can see the that Doberman house. And, and the, the Doberman strawberries and the long would, hair. But by the way, me walking across the street and like yeah, the sunshine is happening. Nobody cares. Just kumbayaing, kumbaya-ing hitting their tambourines, like, yeah. making their flower <laughs> Doing necklaces. Doing the handprints. Yeah. Um, and then, but also too, like that time where you just walk around, you don't lock the doors and stuff like that. But do you ever have you been I know because you your mom moved to Richmond have you been back to your hometown yeah, when we sold it some like it's not the house we grew up in it was because like that I, just feels like you've you've described something so specific and so different from what your life is like now that it almost seems like it would be overwhelming to go home and mm-hmm. have all those memories flood you it's funny it's I where I grew up in this town this house our house sort of sat on a hill and my mom told this story oh my god she would be so mortified that I'm actually telling this because you know Southern we don't talk about stuff but after my dad died crazy shit happened like weird peeping toms would come around I do have a memory of my my mom going outside with a shotgun and cranking it and shooting it in the air Jesus and screaming like well because we're a house four girls all the girls you know it's people are creepy it's a small town people know people people are creepy you know and so um yeah, that house is weird because it, it re- reminded me, my sister Kim and I were talking about it and it sort of sat on this hill and it was a great house and then we had like property where you had our horses there. But I think after my dad died, it was so, it was, I look at it and it it's not, it doesn't, when I think of like fond memories, I think of the house we had in Richmond. We lived on the street, Grace Street and it was, I love that house. Haunted, my mom later told me, because I'm such a push, puss, she never talked about it. She's like, Kim, we do not talk about this oh. house being haunted. But yeah, totally haunted that house. Um, but the house in the country, but I still look at it because it reminds me of my dad and all the photos I have of him are from that. And it was a great house, but you know, a sad house. And we had this like scary basement. Um, that was just ready. Like every time you had to go down there at night, I'd be like, oh, I hate that basement. Of course. Um, but I, when we sold it, whoever bought it, there's not like a, they put a barber shop, which where our living room was. And then they had a dog shrine in the front yard. It's not the That's same weird. house. So now yeah. I, when I go by it, it doesn't, it, I took Sam by it and it, it was not the same. You know, you have this, idea of your childhood and I think that's also the thing when you realize like when you look back on it and you want it to be the the way that memories sort of take over and you sort of like you want it to be something else yeah and then it's sometimes not yep what it is and there's like great parts you know when I look back I look at Polly who then like in that time I mean she was such a, a hoot that woman like Chew and snuff. Like she would lug her black and white TV with her everywhere. Oh, and we'd take her home. I love my mom would come home. We'd take her to her house on the weekend, and then she'd come back. And like she really had like two families. She had her family, and then she raised us. And she was. Did you have kids? Your yeah, age she or? had. She had some, of them, but they were older. And she, she was just. She's she's great. I love that woman. She was really just. I don't know. She was kind but also like i remember she was the deepest sleeper and we would always try to like creep into her room and scare her and do this stuff <laughs> hey you didn't like scary stuff yeah. but i guess you like scary but other yeah people. no but kim and bev were like let's try and scare polly 
and she never did it. Never, ever, 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 ever did. But um, yeah. I and wish then, I could sleep that soundly. I know. I can't sleep at all. Yeah. But then we moved to Richmond and then we lived in like the big city when I thought was like so cosmopolitan. Well, that's the interesting thing about that region is that I guess I was going to say this earlier is that um, I mean, I'm from the West. During United States, so I feel like there's a lot. I mean, Tucson is very specific and strange in its own way, but um, just that the the Virginia of it all, the Virginia like this, like the Blue Ridge Mountains and the really really country area, yeah. and then Richmond. But then you're like next to like the nation's capital, which is just Northern so Virginia, crazy. Is, it's like a whole different world, it's right? A I mean, it's real, really different. And it's funny, like you know, I know that my my mom is always I. Really, I don't know why I pride myself so much on it, but I love being Southern and I love like my aunts and my uncles and that sense of family and the sense of tradition and all of those and that, that part of it, not that Northern Virginia doesn't have that, but it is very different than like Fairfax and even Fairfax and Richmond. I mean, Richmond is such speaking of france that you know like there's the street called monument and it's it's kind of based on the champs elysees like cobblestone oh wow i didn't know center that. walkway you know these big um you know they have these monuments to all these civil war heroes but i mean and then that's sort of complicated too because you have the civil war and sure like, well that's a whole, whole thing. other like thing <laughs> which isn't really great but um that i remember my mom so my my mom was pretty badass like she 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 would commute, which is so crazy to do that commute from like Richmond to there. It's like a three and a half hour drive every weekend. And so I was like, I want to, I want to, I want to live with you. Let's sell the house. Let's do it. And we sold the house, moved to Richmond and um, we lived like in the inner. And I remember my mom, we like lived in an apartment building and I was like, we got to get a house. Let's go house hunting. And we found this great house on the street called Gray Street, which is near VCU. And I went to an all-girls Catholic high school because the within Richmond City, the public schools are not great. And so um, I was like, oh, my God, I'm Baptist, and I'm going to a Catholic school. Like, I was in. I was excited yeah. for the thing. And um, But the street we lived on was, like, the last one to sort of get gentrified. Uh-huh. So there was, like, we had tranny hookers. There were, like... Like half of the street were houses that were like people were coming in and buying like my mom and myself. Not that I bought the house, but like gentrifying. And then the other half was like old school, like inner like rough. city, a little rough. rough. Yeah, I mean, but I loved all those those tranny but that's hookers. How I feel. And you know, by the way, I want to say we're not supposed to say tranny hookers anymore. Why? Um, because tranny is considered almost like calling someone a fag. Now, I'm just telling you this because this is something I have had to learn because I affectionately call, I really do affectionately call tranny hookers. Can like, you call I them transvestite hookers? I think you can, but there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a thing happening in the transgender community, which is sort of like, be, we have to be careful in terms of political correctness. Okay, anybody, I'm finding out about I it. did I'm not about it. mean that in a bad way. That's because why I said I it, because love, I just wanted to make sure. I just want you to know, I love them. Yes, And that's here's how what I they feel. would do. We would get to hear, I remember this, we'd sit out in like the hot summer nights. That's what my mom and I were doing, like our neighbors. And those girls would be out on the street working. And you would see, this is the craziest thing. 
the guys like coming by like down the street. Oh, yeah. And it was always station wagons. Yes. Same. Even in San Francisco, oh, mind you, know. you. Because my neighborhood was like a great corner. There was a there were like four corners on a few different streets that were like the different corners. And it was so fascinating to watch like the people who would come and pick those girls up because it was definitely was not yeah, like baby seats in the did. back, and like, and I remember seeing one. It was like St. Christopher's, and which was a big private school. And I was like, "Wow, that's so intense." And um, one of my neighbors would, because they would go by with the windows rolled down really slow and go by. And one of the neighbors, Mike, he took a cold pitcher of water, and when he slowed down, he. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! I was like, because oh, we were just so offended by the fact that like you're married. Yeah. We just, this is not, yeah. go home There's to some your real dishonesty is, going on I know, there's there. something dishonest. disturbing, yeah. But um, I loved all those girls. We loved them. And they yeah. were so cute at the holidays. And yeah. I don't know. So, but my girlfriends, I went to St. Gertrude's, which is this um, private school in, in, in Richmond. And um, none of my girlfriend's moms or parents would let them come to our house. None. Oh, you They like, were like, yeah. oh, that's... And I was like, that's crazy. So, like, I was like, so we have to, because it's in, in this, like, it's dangerous. It was like, people, what? Like, yeah. what do you, like, no, it's not dangerous. What's more dangerous is the colle- yeah, like, collegiate father circling down the street. Yeah. Which is ironic to me that, like, yeah. why, like, how people can look at something and they immediately, ca- like, I would never look at you and say, that girl had, eyelashes on and went through the hate and was like, yeah. I found my people and I want, you know, Robert De Niro to suck on my thumb when I was 13. <laughs> like, I would never look at you, but that's the thing to remember constantly. Like, I think that people look at me and they immediately, immediately sort of go, this is what your life is like. Right. And I don't think we, I think nobody's life is, ex- I, I don't think I love what you're saying right like, now. But nobody, you can never look at anybody. And by the way, I think that people are like, my life was perfect and it was this. I don't think anybody's life is perfect. What is perfect? I mean, it's it's always got an up and a down and we're all trying to figure it out and sort of make our way. And, you know, I think people would, you know, I, when I was 16, I won this modeling contest on Oprah Winfrey. And it's so weird and so bananas that that is those words come out of my mouth and like it changed my because life. you know how it you know how it, it direct you know who you were beforehand you know how it directly impacted your life you know that you stayed the same person afterwards but you also can pull back enough to know oh this is how this must be perceived by other people who don't yeah know I don't me know if I stayed I don't think you stay the same person I know that all of a sudden what happened was I think it uncorked. what was because I would have never gone to New York. I mean, it was instilled in me like you go to you. I was just working to get into UVA. That was like it. The summer before I'd babysat my sister's kids. um, And I was just like, I'm going to go to UVA. I'm going to become a lawyer. I'm going to go into politics. I'm going to get married by the time I'm 24. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a baby by the time you like, you think you have this idea of your life. And I remember when this contest happened, and my mom literally like took pictures of me in our living room with a borrowed camera, and we sent them in, and it got narrowed down from like six thousand to sixty three They flew my mom and I to Chicago my mom and me to Chicago. 
Then it got narrowed down to 20. Then those 20 actually filmed an Oprah Winfrey show. And it was Iman, Naomi Campbell, and Linda Evangelista, and John Casablancas were the judges. Oh, my God. And I won this stupid thing, which is so weird because I'm not – it's like – it's – I don't know why, but it's, it was just weird. And then that summer I went to Japan and the following senior, like all of a sudden I, it gave me, I was the same person, but I think it gave me just opening my eyes to this different world, gave me the, it gave me the, the strength to, to essentially wear my eyelash yeah. because I would have never worn my eyelash, even though I secretly wanted to wear the eyelash yeah. and I wanted to be that girl. And so all of a sudden, cause I think in high school I, I didn't, or in, when I was growing up, I, my identity was so wrapped in being a part of something because maybe because something had been taken from me so fast that I just wanted to be whatever my sisters were. And I just wanted to be a part of something else that I was too scared to say, well, I don't know if it's, I want to be a part of that, but I just needed to find my group of circles, you know, because yeah. I always felt like a circle with a bunch of squares or the square with a bunch of circles. And getting to go to New York is like all of a sudden, the story, I never, I wasn't going to be a suit. I was not, never the prettiest girl in the room. I was like the weirdo who would maybe get the job because I made the client laugh. And so like, let's hire her. She'll be a hoot to work with, Yeah, you know, but I, it led me and I found actors and I found that program and I would have never done that. You know, I started at UVA and I just remember it's a beautiful school and, and it's still, I wish I had that stupid degree because it's like, would give me feel like, I don't know, make me feel like I have some sort of cushion. Um, but when I was there, I just, I don't know. I was like, sororities baffled me and fraternities. It just, maybe it was my fear of like, maybe nobody will pick me. I just remember one of the guys, because you, at UVA, you, you pledge fraternities before sororities. And I, one of the guys there got blackballed and he didn't get any, to any of the fraternities. And I remember him being in his room with him, talking to him, and he's like, you don't understand. My entire college career is like, what? It's, I mean, it's done. What, where do I hang out? It's so unfair. And I remember like, hearing him say that and being like, oh, crap. Yeah. That's, and he was, by the way, ladies, adorable and yeah. so cute and so cool and like the greatest guy. And for whatever reason, he just didn't fit in with whatever and – and he fell through, you know, their cracks. And I, I just was like, God, that feels, that's so much pressure. Yeah, it is. That's horrible. Horrible. And I remember him saying, like, my entire college, like, where, like, he, he was, like, contemplating, like, maybe I should just change schools. Oh. And I thought, because, like, somebody didn't invite, like, and and then this is a no no means saying that sororities are bad or fraternities are bad. I just think like because we find our own version of a sorority. I just was like I have to find my version of that somewhere else. Like I just I so want to hope that that guy now would be like you know what that's the best thing that ever, ever happened, happened to me, me. because exactly. I dot, dot 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 and like and that man was Bill Gates or whatever. Yeah, not like to whatever, say that Bill Gates I mean, is like the guy, but I always wonder what happened to that guy because I left that. I remember I was like whoa. And there's, uh, there's, you know, it's, it's, college is so intense. I think it's so weird that like at 18 you have to go to school 
and decide who you're going to be for the rest of your life. Like get your degree for what you're going to do for the rest of your life. It's a lot of pressure. It just, it just sort of baffled me. I mean, I always liked this idea when you saw kids be badasses and they're like, I'm going to take a year off and like go backpack through Europe. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Um, because I think I don't, I wouldn't do what I like who you don't even know who you are yeah I definitely did I mean I think I what did you get your degree in theater but like I think I spent but the whole my whole feeling of purpose then started with like when I everybody assumed I would go to a theater school I did you know I mean I I applied to like Carnegie Mellon and places like that it's still doc doc burp um but I, I mostly, I really wanted to go to a college in the Pacific Northwest. I just fell in love with it up there, and so I applied to a bunch of schools up there that had nothing to do with theater, just because I wanted to go. I went to, I graduated. Weirdly, I graduated second in my high school class, so I got a free ride to any Smarty. college in the state. So I went as far away as I could from Tucson. Not that I don't love Tucson, but I really wanted the college experience. I so, can't imagine going to Tucson. My mom loves Tucson. It's just yeah. like it's so like vortexy and awesome it's cool it's a cool city i mean i love going back there when it's not hot for sure but um but i really wanted to live somewhere that wasn't tucson and i had really wanted to go to school in like to berkeley or to lewis and clark or to reed or so i mean someplace that was up there just Wouldn't in the berkeley middle be of cool? like, like yeah super cool but like that I, just yeah, feels like a cool please. um and i got into the colleges that i applied to but i couldn't afford any of them and i was so even at like age 17 i was so practical about money because both my parents had none right that yeah. i was like what am i gonna do get financial aid I mean, even with partial scholarships it's like what am i gonna do owe money on a theater degree that's a terrible idea i'm gonna be poor so i can't do that so when i got the scholarship in state um i just went up and went to northern arizona university which is a charming charming school and it's a great town and it's flagstaff which is right along old route 66 yes. and it's like an hour south Fr- of the grand canyon, grand canyon. yes yes i know love that. it loved my time there uh loved living in snow for five months out of the year loved it um and then I ended up moving to San Francisco. I did drop out of school and was like, I got to just go live in San Francisco for a year to establish residency so then I could pay in-state tuition at San Francisco State. So that's what I did. You went to, oh, that's cool. But yeah, but I, but by the time I got to SF State, I was so not interested in acting and theater. I really wanted to be an interior designer that I was going to start all over again. But I just I already had so many theater credits and there was I would have to have been in school for like 80 years to get a new degree that I just continued finishing up like the theater side of things how is that to finish but, up the theater thing when you don't when you feel like your passion's wavering because i feel it like it was weird with, and i had already done all my performance credits and all like the creative side of it and so it actually ended up being a good thing because everything i had left at sf state was like shop theater history play like the stuff that i was more intimidated by or that i wasn't interested in but what i found out in just like having to take those courses there was like oh wait i love shop like i loved welding i had no idea that i would love something like that until finally there was nothing left for me to take and it was like well i guess i gotta get these out of the way um but uh but I just didn't, I was like, this is useless. This degree is useless. I'm no longer interested in it. I want to be an interior designer, but I'm just going to get this stuff done. Um, and also, if you if you graduate from San Francisco State with as an interior designer, you graduate, I kid you not, with a degree in home economics. 
And I was like, I cannot have an, a home ec degree. That is disgusting to me, which is terrible to say because, by the way, like fine. The word, but like, it's just, it just seems like antiquated women don't have any power in this world. Like, that's what I associate Did you with. Take I don't home associate ec? with being a stay at home mom. I, I associate all those things positively. I never took home ec. I just didn't, <laughs> as- I associate that, those words with like, pushing the lady down that's all you know what i'm saying so so here you know i and so so to but to your point i didn't i was just all over the place when i was that age i definitely didn't have like i sort of thought that i wanted to do that and i sort of like i still kind of loved theater but i thought i wanted to be a designer but then i couldn't be and so i was just all over the place and people who have that sort of dedicated one trackness i sort of looked at in awe but i also looked at the people who had the dedication to go fuck off in Europe for a year also because I didn't have that as much. I mean, I guess someone would look at me from the outside, right, like we all do, and say, oh, I look at your life and I see this bravery. But in my mind, moving to San Francisco wasn't brave. It was just like, I have to. I got I yeah, to do this. Yeah, it feels a necessity. And I would see someone else go to, you know, go off and backpack in Europe for a year and go, I'm envious of that. That seems brave to me. I remember one of the girls, one of my friends at UVA, she... It was funny. She's, if you sort of judge that book by its cover, you would never think she would do. Like, she just seemed like this homogenized girl, like, right? And then she took off, like, after she graduated, she joined the Peace Corps. And I was like, that's amazing. Join the Peace Corps. So, yeah, I went out with a guy in college who had been in the Peace Corps for a year, and, um, and he had also been in the reserves for a year. Because I think to get money for school or something. So he had like these two totally opposite experiences of working, you know, in, in, uh, in a country where he was just like out sort of trying to help build schools and stuff. And then also was in uh, Desert Storm. Totally, totally different. And then you look at that guy and I'm like, you're totally a different. Um, by the way, do you know that you have to have a college degree to join the Peace Corps? I didn't know that. Yeah, I think you... I, That's I, interesting. I was like... Because I remember I had these fantasies of wanting to join the Peace Corps. Yeah. And then I feel like I researched it and you had to have a college degree. And I was like, God dang it, that UVA... That surprises me. Yeah, but that I That surprise me. I remember that first semester going, calling my mom and saying, I'm going to take a year's leave of absence from UVA. And I do remember... And she was like... My mom, to her credit, was like, okay, that's great. Find your... Like, she just knew. And... I mean, my mother's by no means like, like, I don't know. I think it'd be so hard to be a mom and it's just forming these lives and you have so much pressure, you know, I think it's, it's so, I think it's hands down one of the hardest jobs and being a great dad, wholeheartedly agree, being a great parent and doing that. It's really hard with everything that's happening in your lives. And then also at the same time, trying to form these other beings and help them sort of walk into their adulthood so hard but I remember one of my sisters said she was like she I was like I'm gonna leave and she said to me she was like you're making the greatest mistake of your life Mm. and I remember I remember the light and I was sitting in front of my dorm and I was like and it was those are chilling words chilling for some from someone you respect so much you know and I remember sitting there and I think back whenever I get scared or get in like, oh, what's happening? I've got to remember that fearless girl. And I remember thinking, I don't give a shit. If it is the greatest mistake of my life, it'll still be something. Because there are, oh, here's I love a, that. But it, and there's the other thing of like, what if there are no mistakes? Somebody once said that to me and I thought, 
I got kind of mad at them because she was saying, well, you sort of pick your life, like this bigger sort of thinking of like, and I was like, I picked my father to die. And she was like, yeah, like you pick, like there's this whole way of thinking. And, and in a weird way, it made me so angry. And then when I sat back and I thought everything happened, if I look back, like, I don't know if I would be sitting here with you right now if that's exactly that how I had, feel and that's I don't exactly how I feel because the goal to me and and I can't believe just I'm going to say this but we are out of time I just looked at my phone and realized my sketchfest partner was calling me because I have to do a conference call yes on a Saturday um this woman that, never stops working uh, yeah, by the yeah, way I feel like um, a lazy bum I stop working to get in a bike accident listen <laughs> I make time for that but but to your point and and very much so and we talked about it on the podcast before but all I want is to be moving forward in my life in a way that makes me not it's not about not wishing anything hadn't happened in that sense. Like you're not going to be like, oh, I'm glad my dad passed away. Like, <laughs> it's not about that. But it is about if you're in, if there's a forward momentum and you're grateful for where you are and you're looking forward to where you're going, then there is no point in looking back as looking at life as like pitfalls because ultimately you're hoping that you're so isolated in your moment as you look forward to the future that you wouldn't want to risk changing anything. Yeah. I think for um, the better because you wouldn't be where you are. Yeah, I mean it's we are the sum of our experiences, good bad because you, it's like you look at a life and there's so complicated and there's so many valleys and peaks and stuff but I always talk with my a friend of mine Chris, he's a really lovely actor, he's a great actor. In fact, and uh and Sam and Chris and I will sit around and talk about acting like assholes, but we love it. We're like <laughs> geeks, film geeks, and like love. I love, I love it. I love everything about acting. I just do. And um, we always talk about being in a scene and like feeling like when you're in a scene and, and you're, I, we call it like being on the um, balls of your feet. Yeah. You know, sometimes I had, I was telling Janet the other day, I got back when I had the worst jet lag and I had to go audition for a play and I was on my heels the entire time the director's talking to me and I was like, it was like Commedia dell'arte. I was like, couldn't, and I was like, listen, focus, and I couldn't. And, um, but that analogy of your balls of your feet and the heels, like, you know, in a scene being on the balls, like ready, participating. I think it's a great analogy for life. Like if I can every day feel like I'm on the balls of my feet, ready to bounce, ready to, uh, in the moment, participation, then then I'm, I'm taking advantage of this great thing called life. I agree with you. And by the way, there's being on the balls of your feet in, in whatever that means for you can mean putting on the eyelash and it can also mean being the silver smith and being the stunt woman and going to Paris and being a mom and taking that on and teaching being four an actor, girls how to be this. a person and all of that kind of stuff. But I love that. I love that that's, that's about what it, whatever that is authentically for you, as long as you're in that place, yeah. then... You're going to be word. moving forward. Authentic. It's Me such too. a great. It's like my favorite. Fuck, I want to be like somebody once. Um, I, I, I want to live my life unapologetically. 
And, and that I think is pretty, like that's every day, like to strive for that. It's yeah. really hard. It is. And as everyone on the podcast knows, I apologize for everything I possibly can. Listen, if there's an opportunity for me to say I'm sorry about something, <laughs> I will say it, but like, including apologizing for apologizing too much. <laughs> but I think you live, you're authentically, unapologetically, you do it. I mean, you don't feel like, but that's the thing. You don't feel like you're yeah. doing it, but like I look at you and I'm like, that lady does it. Come oh, on, get your shit bless. together, bib. Come on. <laughs> That's what I feel like. Oh, I'm man. like, get it together. Bless. Come on. I'm going to get in trouble if I don't get on this call, okay. speaking Goodbye. of keeping it together. Uh, this was uh, marvelous, to say the it least. Was kind it of was sappy. so much wonderful. That's said, what this is all about. Nothing about what just happened was anything other than perfect, as far okay. as I'm concerned. Uh, Leslie, thank you so much for doing the podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm sorry I said Trinity Hooker. I do. I love Trinity. Nope. We're living our lives it. unapologetically. I'm not. I am sorry, but I'm, you yeah. know, I love it. Guys, go get on the balls of your feet. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get participate. Okay. Don't anticipate. <gasps> oh, participate. Don't anticipate, guys. <gasps> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> As always, the JV Club theme song is Before We Were Brittle, courtesy of the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.